Welcome to the Along Come Norwich podcast and thank you for joining us for one more wistful walk down Geoffrey Watling Way. I'm Tom and I'm joined by the ACN boys John Hello. and Andy. Good evening. And our special guest this evening is Jack from Talk Norwich City. Good evening. We've been away since Rudolph started doing his warm-ups so there's a lot to catch up with you on. Firstly we'll review the festive results, look ahead to Chelsea and the magic of the FA Cup, run through some listeners questions and round off with the pod quiz. As always, we'd like to politely remind you that the website alongcomenorwich.com is always there for in-depth match previews, light-hearted reviews, written in a level-headed and informed fashion, other than when they let me have a go. You can also pick up some excellent t-shirt and sweater designs to go with the egg and crest bobble hat that we know you all got for Christmas. So, let's kick off by running through what has been a topsy-turvy few weeks of Norwich City action since we last convened. Um, who would like to kick us off with the most recent game in our memory, that lovely re- comeback that we had on Monday? Was it Monday? It's that time of year. Yeah, it was Monday. Yeah. Monday. Off you go, Lorne. Well, I, I noticed you were very quiet on the WhatsApp group uh, post-Christmas with your lack of ranting. So it was, obviously a good, it was obviously a good week, good coaching, good solid defensive performance, one goal conceded in three games. That was a long-range hopeful punt. It was what a strike it was, by the way. Well, it wasn't a good strike, was Did Angus Gunn think it was going wide? I think Angus was just confused where he was in the goal. Because he could have done a little bit better with it when you look at it again. From I've only seen it on first viewing, and I thought he could have just caught it. And he seemed to sort of he hold his hands up as if that's side, gone off for a goal kick, that's gone. And then it went in and he fell over. But apart from that, I thought it was a really solid performance against Well, We didn't deserve to be... Including the first half? Yeah, we didn't deserve to be one 0 down at half time. No, definitely, definitely not. not. I don't think we deserved to be one 0 up at half time though. I, th- I, th- I thought they had enough of the possession. Didn't they slightly sneak the possession first half as well? Well, not. Sure. I think first twenty five minutes, I thought we looked really, really solid. We created Nelson's chance. You <coughs> then had Murphy go close. Pritchard went close. You know, we were taking pot shots from range, which the Barkley inevitably will whinge about that we don't take shots enough. You know, and we don't take it on. Murphy was looking lively. He was taking on his man. I, I thought we shaded it well. I thought we were much the better side for the first 25, and then we dropped. And I, that was when it started getting a bit tech. Should that not be a, the bare minimum, though, against a side who've won once away from home all season and scored something like four goals away from all season? We created that one chance for Nelson, which was a, del- a delightful cross. But the Murphy one, the Pritchard one, were shots from 25 yards. And except for that, the build-up play was very similar to the to the Brentford game that we were all moaning about, the Burton game we were all moaning about. And likewise, to, to touch on that point as well, um, our favourite stat of the last few days was that um, Scum conceded four goals in seven minutes at Craven Cottage, which is the same amount we've conceded in our last five games. However, who have you know three of those five games been against? They have been against the people that um, we would expect to be putting in, not only getting three points from, but also much more comfortable performances than we have actually seen for, for most of the game, rather than maybe just about shading half of it. I think that's the part of the problem, though, is that expectation that we're just going to turn up and roll these teams over. We're not going to turn up and roll anyone over in this division. So yeah, why think, do you think we're going to? I think that's a really good point, actually, That and you alluded to it, Jack, before we kind of kicked off, is you've probably got like 16 really bang-average teams in the Championship. You've got six up the top, and then you've got two or three down the bottom. don't know if my maths work out there, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. But, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you've we've got, got some teams. <laughs> you've got some teams. You've got 16 in the middle who are all pretty average. And if they get organised, and if they start actually playing at a tempo that's decent, and all of them are up for it, then they're going to be in with a shout against anyone. So you can call them the lesser half, but actually Millwall have been on a half-decent run at home. You know, they've probably got a little bit of confidence. I didn't think it was that bad a performance. Second half as well, which I think I think just going back on that on that point about the level of expectation, I think there has to be a certain level of level of expectation, certainly in front of goal when you've got probably forty million pounds worth of talent in Pritchard and Madison. You've got Nelson who admittedly hasn't scored that many in recent weeks, but was being sort of plauded as this ten million pound strike, one of the best in the championship. Mm-hmm. And you've got a player in Josh Murphy who's very similar to his brother who was sold for twelve million. So if you're putting that team up against the team who was in League One last season and going, well, we shouldn't be able to roll teams over. I think we need to check a, check ourselves a little bit there. Well, yeah, I get the point. But So one of the teams we beat in this little run, Birmingham, 
then went and beat Leeds, who are one of the better sides in the division. It's not a case of... And oh, Burn went to Sheffield Wednesday, didn't yeah. they? And, and won 3-0. Won. But let's look at that Birmingham side. When they signed Harley Dean and Hotter at the start of the season, we probably all expected them to be a lot higher up than they were. And I don't but, think Birmingham are a bad side. But no, I think that proves the point, though. Win. I think they've got... They've spent a lot of money on talented players and they're not successful. There's more to it than just having good names on paper. And I would also say that I think, and I've said this before on the podcast, is I think the difference under Farker, and it's a difference that isn't obviously noticeable, is that we're creating less chances so people think we're playing boring pedestrian football. But the chances we are creating are better quality than just slinging the ball aimlessly in the box, which... At the time, on the face of it, seems like it's more exciting. I think Evo Pinto does effective. his fair share of slinging useless balls in the box. <laughs> and how many yeah. times he fills the quota of that? And how that. many times does Pinto do that? How many times does Pinto get the ball wide? Everyone screams, cross it, and he does cross it. It gets cut out. Pinto's halfway up the pitch, and we get done on the counter attack. And that was an issue, I guess. You know, kind of tactically, that he was the outlet first half. So it was Pinto bombing down the right. Failing to deliver a half decent cross, and then you know we were kind of screwed, and it broke down, and then Teddy and Tribal had to, to pick it up, who were both fantastic again. Yeah. I think I think the interesting thing about Pinto is though, and a player who's been criticised a hell of a lot this season for for no end product. I think he's one of our best players, is Yannick Vilsker. Daniel Farker clearly doesn't like him; he's mm. not playing him. For me, if you stick Yannick in front of Pinto, it means that Pinto hasn't got a bomb all the way forwards because he is our only outlet. Pinto is a defender, so he shouldn't really be expected to deliver, to deliver crosses. And you've got a player in Yannick who will track back, is very physical, and will scare defenders. I'd, all, I'd counter that by saying that Pinto isn't a great defender. That's Pinto, because he's having the bomb so far up the pitch. I think Pinto's attributes are better going forward. I think the thing with Yannick, and I agree, I like him as a player, but I think the reason he's not playing is because... The way we play is intricate passing build-up, yeah. not direct getting behind people, and that's where Yannick's strong. And I can, un- I can, I think that Yannick will play more away from home potentially, where we maybe look to go a bit more direct. But he does, he doesn't tend to play that often generally, does he? Yeah. Yannick? I mean, he he's looked good in 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 spells, but then also when he has started, he has looked pretty poor as well. So obviously, we don't see what happens on the training pitch. We don't see how unimpressive <coughs> he is in training. Um, which was the, which was the thing we used to say about Lafferty. Like maybe he's not very good during the week, and that's why he doesn't get a, a chance. So those of us who liked him, none of which are in this room, I shouldn't think. Both of you liked him. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> both, both, both of his mates, both, both, both of his Twitter followers from around here liked, liked him. Um, I, you said about intricate passing, though. I, I'm afraid that I don't agree that because we're not creating quality chances... Um, I, I therefore think that we are not playing a decent pattern of football. I think we're not playing intricate passing. I've, you know, I, I think I've watched enough football to be able to appreciate what is good football to watch and what isn't, in my, in my humble opinion. And in my opinion, it is too pedestrian. It is too slow. And yes, we do sometimes get a really good chance out of what has been three or four minutes of, of miserable passing. And now, now is the time to bring up... Um, what upset you know our friend Anita on on Twitter? If you want to look back through Andrew Lawn's timeline to to to, to, <laughs> to look at that um, uh, bit of interplay on 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 social media, then do so. Um, but if if you just want to touch on the point that you were actually trying to make there, Andy, when you were saying about um, people moaning about us passing backwards, well, it's it's not so much people moaning. So. One of the criticisms that I get and we get through a long term knowledge and I know the Bartley and knowledge boys get is there's this perception that we're trying to tell people how to support and we're not doing that. So the point I made on uh, Monday was that the the first song that I heard most of the Barclay sing was Your Support is Fucking Shit to the Millwall fans, mm. which I think shows a huge lack of self-awareness. Trump levels. Yeah, Trump levels of self or lacking self-awareness. Because, and this isn't saying that people didn't sing any other songs, it's not saying that people don't sing, it's not saying that they shouldn't have sung that song, or it's not, it's not in any way being like a song police, like that's a good song, that's a bad song. It's purely that the loudest the Barkley got was abusing the away fan support. And I think we should be louder than that in supporting our own team mm. first. Abuse the away support, fine, but also support your own team. It's, it was also the the other thing thing that came up in that thread was also the the moans and groans, which was in the you boys did the the match review um, on on Monday, 
Um, the Jones and Groans when we we played a pass, was it Pritchard who played a pass back to gun when there was nothing necessarily better on, and I I moaned and groaned at that. I mean, I'm not a booer. That's not my thing. I I don't think it's constructive. At the end of the, at the end of the game, I will give volleys of abuse, which probably doesn't carry as effectively as <laughs> as, as booing. But I, I'm not a booer. Um, but I did groan at that. But it wasn't necessarily that one pass that you're frustrated at. It's the fact that that pass is the culmination of okay. You want us to be patient. We've watched you go side to side for a minute and a half, two minutes, and what have you achieved? You've run out of options. You've run out of space, and you go back to gun. No, and I think there is an issue there though because actually in the first half. Our movement up top wasn't particularly brilliant. So, you know, Murphy wasn't gravitating into space. Nelson was dropping deep, and actually then you didn't have an option over the top or in a channel if you wanted to do that. So Madison was effectively forced to do that. And people are going to get pissed off if it's tippy-tappy football, and then you have to go back because there's a lack of options up front. So there is an issue for Farker to fix in terms of our general movement in, in attacking third. On, on that point, Nelson was making some really odd runs throughout all of the game. Um, there was one point in the second half in particular where Murphy had the ball on the, the left-hand corner of the box and we were kind of... Uh, it, was a, it wasn't quite a counter-attack, but the ball had been a quick turnover and we were moving to, with, with, with pace. And um, I think it was like three on three. And Nelson ran from the centre of the, 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 the box and ran over to Murphy and came and crowded his space, completely took his outlet, mm. uh, his opportunity to go outside the player and cross it in. I, I think that's just Nelson, though. I, I think I, That's been a point that I've really kind of... I think, I'm not sure if it's because I'm looking for it now, but Nelson's runs, to me, just stink of greed. I don't think that's Farker telling him to do that. I think Nelson, last season especially, the reason we all loved him so, loved him so much because he was a, a he was a striker we hadn't really seen for a while in terms of drifting out wide, dropping in deep, collecting the ball, and then hitting it from range. And he was going on that fantastic scoring run. But so far this season, when he's coming out wide, it now means we've got no one in the middle. So even if he does collect the ball and he's in a crossing position, there's no one in the middle because he's the one who should be there. So for me, it's him just getting more and more anxious each week, knowing that he's gone on this run of not scoring and trying way too hard. Now, has Farker told him to just do his role in the middle of the pitch? I'm not so sure, but I think that's going to be a reason why Just why I don't know, because I think he's, he started doing that last two or three games. I think he has started to be much more of a team player. You haven't seen those wild shots from 25, 30 yards as much. And I think... but. I don't think I don't it's know. that. It's the it is the runs for me. He's, he's, yeah, I know he's no, dropping deep, but it's the then wide runs that, that confuse me. And I'm not sure if it's because we lack width, and I think that is that has been a problem this season. But for me, it's it's the runs he's making. But psychologically, he's all over the shop. I think because mm. he's oh, making he's, he's making crazy flicks when we're yeah. nil nil and risky flicks at nil nil, where actually is you know percentage is probably eighty percent. It's not going to work. Possession's going to be turned over and then suddenly we're on the back foot again. If you do that 3 0, do you know what? If you want to do a bit of showboating, fair play. And that does kind of show a a, a tale of his career in terms of not being able to settle at a football club and his goal scoring form before us was atrocious. And that kind of that pattern is starting to show why that that was such a thing now. And I think just to pick up on a thing you said and to go back to the thing about possession is you mentioned that you notice it more when you start to look for it. Mm. And I think there is this perception and there is this narrative that we play boring pedestrian football. You see John's got a stat written down about us having in the top five for statistically the most shots in the league. Okay, and what I would say is where you've said uh, Madison has gone back to gun and we've watched uh, them keep the ball for two minutes and what we achieved, nothing. We've achieved having the ball for two minutes, which has meant Millwall have had to concentrate, fill in holes, shuffle across, shuffle across, do all that running without the ball, which is much, much harder. There might not be any immediate end product, but it doesn't mean that with 10 minutes to go, when Millwall have played the same team 48 hours earlier, we don't look a lot fresher because we've done a lot less running because we've had the ball. So for me, moaning and groaning that someone has passed the ball to a yellow shirt, albeit like a green shirt because it's gone, but it's ridiculous. Like, what would you rather we do? Lump the ball forward and give it away just for the sake of going forward? Um, yeah, I, the, a lot of people would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think that is the that yeah. Again, but when you say things like that, that's what gets people's backs up. Those that maybe pick up on the ACN and Barclayan um, tweets and aren't necessarily followers. It's 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 those kind of comments, and I do I do get where people can get from feel frustrated and feel like they are being preached to as to oh no yeah, yeah. if you if you were the, if you're the perfect fan you completely buy into the project and you have like endless buckets of patience. We want to watch decent football, 
we I think the majority of fans do appreciate that we do not have a squad as talented as some we have had recently. Um, but, but I still stand by the fact that I think it is relatively easy to defend the way we play for most of the game. I, in theory, yeah, if they had to run around a lot to, to shuffle across, etc., I didn't see a lot of running around or shuffling that Millwall were having to do. We won the game. You cannot complain with yeah, the results. Yeah. Seven points from nine. From nine, That's a superb New Year run. That's brilliant. I'm delighted. I want Norwich to win the league. I want Norwich to win the, the Premier League. I want to go to, into Europe. You know, they, I don't... I will never... I've never understood the whole... Oh, if they, if, I hope they lose because then we'll, that will finally get changed. That's, I think that's bonkers. But... I, I just... I fundamentally can't get on board as much as I'd love to with being that optimistic that we actually do play a, a brand of football that is either really, really good to watch, because it isn't, because it, it does bore me a lot of the time, uh, and it, I think it's really predictable, and I don't think it's a narrative. My eyes tell me that it's pedestrian. My eyes tell me that it, that it, we take a long time to not achieve very much. That's, so do that's, you think? I think for me, just, just butting in there, is I'm, I, I'm completely on board with keeping the ball and moving it about it's the tempo in which we're moving it about. And 100%. that's the reason why I'm not a massive fan of Mario Vrancic because I've seen probably three good passes from him this season that's, that's sped up the play. When he gets the ball, sometimes it's been in very promising positions and he's slowed the game down. If Mario Vrancic is a player that can carve out um, chances, you know, every time he gets the ball, cool. But he's not that. He's looking for someone else to do his work. He's slowing the game down. And that might not necessarily be his fault. It might be the system. But there's been a lot of players this season. And the system in general has been very slow. And so I think do you boys think we missed Mario at any point of the game on Monday? No, but I guess the point is this for me. is that I think Mario Vrancic was purchased predominantly by Daniel Farker. Let's face it, you know he would have had the knowledge and scouting you know, to make sure that, that he was being signed and obviously rated the lad. I think it comes back to the point I was making earlier um, before the pod started, I think, that we were going to play three at the back this season. I think that was pretty obvious we were going to play three at the back this season based on pre-season. We ripped it up after Fulham because actually we looked really dodgy at the back, um, you know, especially in the channels. But I think he was bought to play in the middle as a number eight. And actually, the way we play, we don't have a number eight. We have two number sixes, and then we have three in front of them, just going mental, seeing if they can score. Well, hopefully, you know, they did second half against Newell. Um, and I think he was there to be in the middle of the park, and he can't really be in the middle of the park if he's played, you know, as a holding midfielder. Where actually, I think he's done his best work as a holding midfielder because he's been afforded the time and the patience to play decent passes. And if he plays as an offensive player. It, is, it comes back to that point you were making, Jack. He hasn't got the tempo. He can't go through the thirds quick enough, look for that through ball quick enough. He's looking to pick a pass rather than actually just go bang. When he's he nearly get played some somewhere. great passes. I mean, he has played two or three, you know, he's made two or three really good assists, but he has also nearly played three or four really good balls round the corner over the top to, to the likes of Watkins and Jerome mm. when they've been on the pitch who can run in behind. Um, so there's there's no doubt in that, that there's there's talent from a from a being able to pick a pass point of view. I just think he, I still I'm afraid think I, that he's a square peg and I don't think he's, he's, I don't think he's right for the championship. I, I was out in in Germany for pre-season. He was probably our best player out there because the game was slightly slow. I just don't think he's suited to the championship. And I think that's that's fair enough and we know that now. Going back to John's point about the system maybe letting Vrancic down. I think it's the same with Watkins. Mm. He's not a winger. For me, his best game was it Brentford away in the cup when he kind of played as played as a nine as yeah, a nine yeah. in that through the middle. That was where he was playing last season. That's where he got his goals from. He did it right in that preseason game where he did the same thing second half. Brighton mm-hmm. right wasn't it as well? Yeah, the, Great the, goal. The, the, yeah, the last preseason game. But he, he's not quick enough to be a winger. He hasn't got a good enough touch to be a ten. I think he's I think he's one of mm-hmm. one of a. It should be in a, in a number sort of in a four four two if we want to play that, but we're not going to play that. So mm-hmm. nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Nine and a half. Okay, so we've we sort of touched on um, a bit of booing and a bit of frustration. Let's just have a kind of atmosphere update because that seems to be one of the narratives that runs throughout this season and keeps kind of coming coming, coming back. Um, just to kind of kick things off, I think um, one of the core issues we've got and one of the reasons that we have Norwich fans squabbling amongst themselves on social media and in pubs, etc., is because... We are just not used to being a middle-of-the-road team. For how many years now have we been scrapping for our lives and therefore it's been intense? Mm -hmm. Or we've been scrapping to just get that last playoff spot or we've been at the top of the league hoping we can get automatic promotion. 
it's been a long time you have to go back. Um, even last year, we didn't really give up until quite near the end of the season, you know, relatively compared to now. So going back to the place where we are, you know, almost exactly in the middle of the table, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that we don't really, we've forgotten how to be that type of football fan, where you win some, you lose some, because we normally lose nearly all of them or win nearly all of them. Would you say that that's fair? I think that's fair, but and actually to contradict what Andy was just saying, I'm going to get really preachy now about actually how people should support our football club, because we go back and we didn't touch on Brentford too much in terms of the the Christmas review. Our fans were absolutely abysmal, you know, and actually we're actively singing during the game, we're fucking shit mm. and we want Delia out. And actually to behave like that as football fans who've gone there to support your football Do team. Do you not slightly understand that? I get why people though. would sing it. I get why people would sing it after the game in terms of Delia or booing after the game and not being satisfied with that level of performance. And I can completely get that. But during the game, is it going to help? Is it going to help anyone? <clears throat> Are you just going to rile up people around you? Yes. Is that going to give the environment a player you know wants to play in? Absolutely not. You know, and with January around the, the corner, actually our better players might just think, screw this. You know, I don't need it. Let's go. Well, what I wrote in the review about that was normally you only tend to get that when uh, the majority of people have gone. It doesn't matter what we sing because we think this is what we're going to get. Mm. You know, we we don't think that it's worth singing and getting behind them because we think this is actually we're coming towards the end here. Bear in mind that was you know on the end of that mm-hmm. awful run, which if you go now a couple of games back and then bolt those bolt the kind of two in 11 that were towards the end of that 11 mm. into this um, kind of unbeaten for three all of a sudden it's a decent six six or seven game run and again that goes back to what I was saying before I think me included I have been up and down like a horse draws in terms of my, my, my opinions and my beliefs in what this team can achieve and I think that, that, that come, the, the atmosphere has been similar. It, at times, in the second half, it was terrific on Monday. Mm. I really, really yeah, good, yeah, especially yeah. just after we equalised. There's one thing I would say, though. Uh, what you say about us being sort of average, middling team at the moment and there not being too much to get excited about or too much to be worried about, I think is a, a key reason why now is a really good time to have the atmosphere discussion because surely the point of going to football, for all of us, is because we enjoy it. And you want to go and have fun and go and have a laugh with your mates. And that is what we're trying to achieve with uh, what we're doing with the atmosphere, is to make it more fun to go to football. And it might be awful on the pitch. Often, being a football fan, and it's not just Norwich, any team that isn't Tottenham, Liverpool down is often rubbish. So people still go because it's fun. So let's make it fun. I think, yeah, I mean, if you if you go to a lot of away games, you very rarely get to the end of the season and go, Cole, that was, I've really enjoyed that game because of the football. Mm. It's yeah. mainly because, yeah. you know, you go to the pubs, you have a few beers, well, the, like the atmosphere's great. The, the Fulham away days is, is, is probably still the game I've enjoyed most this season. We were losing for most and of it. And if that performance would have been at home, yeah. you probably wouldn't have enjoyed that game yeah. at all. But but the it was we were so... F- we were trying out the new songs, and mm. we were, you know, we were so full of, full of, we, you know, we all believed that we actually could get back in the game, and then obviously a last minute equaliser away is always just brilliant. Um, but yeah, a lot of it was just the fact that at that point you didn't know that okay, this is going to be, this is going to be slow football, um, and unfortunately, I know you're saying you want it to be fun for some people, me included. Yes, atmosphere is a huge part of it. But also, I go to be entertained as much as I want to entertain myself by joining in with singing. I want to be entertained by what I see on the pitch. And but you're not entertaining yourself. Like the Fulham, the Fulham example is a good example. You didn't entertain yourself. The atmosphere and your surroundings and yeah. the hope and all of that stuff was the stuff that entertained you. It wasn't the football that entertained you. It's, it sounds strange. Minutes, yeah. yeah, but it sounds strange to say. But f- the football, the actual football, isn't often the fun bit. Mm-hmm. Apart from short little moments, it's everything else that goes around. I think Jack's exactly right. You don't th- look back on a season and think, "Oh, what a what a fantastic game that was." For more than maybe two or three of the games, yeah. But you still go at twenty three, and you go because it's fun. I, d- I do think we, we sometimes overcomplement. Overcomplicate this whole atmosphere thing because I go back to Burton. That was one of the worst games of football I've witnessed. Yet the atmosphere was great, and the atmosphere was great because we were all standing, and the people who were there were there because they wanted to sing. You wouldn't travel to Burton on Boxing Day if that wasn't the case. And it's very simple when when Barclay and Norwich have done under twenty one games. Like minded, like minded fans have stood together, created a noise. It's been the same at home games, and until. 
I'm not sure about safe standings introduced, but until we get that section where like-minded fans can stand together, the atmosphere will be the same, and I don't think that will change. And that's exactly the point as well, is that it's like-minded people. Again, we're not saying if you don't sing, you're not a fan. Everyone has to go to football yeah. and sing. It's not that at all. It's if you want to sing, let's all get together. So mm. everyone who wants to sing can sing. Everyone who doesn't want to sing can be together. Well, people who want to stand can stand. People who want to sit can sit. Like, give you see all choice. those empty seats on New Year's Day. We might be getting closer to a stage where it is actually logistically easier for Danny Casey and 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 the customer service guys to say actually we are going to make a singing section because and it's interesting they haven't sold any tickets for Block A. It looks mm. like on the website for Chelsea on Saturday. Yeah, I saw that. But I think I've seen a lot of people get really annoyed about when all of us lot will say if you don't want to sing, go and sit somewhere else. I think that's absolutely fine mm. because. When I used to go to football with my dad, he couldn't stand for the whole game. So guess what? We didn't stand in the Barclay. We went in the NMP. Mm. I still wanted to sing. He still wanted to sing. But it wasn't possible for us to do that. So we sat in the NMP and then I moved to the Barclay. If you don't want to sing and you don't want to stand, don't do it. It yeah. just seems to me like that's the easy option. It's the same with this chap in the A block. If you don't want to stand, move elsewhere. Mm. Make your life easier. Yeah, it just you, seems, can have, it you can just have the same view. You can have exactly the same view in the NMP as exactly. you've got in the Barclay. If you, you know, if you want to see football happening a long way away from you. For me, it's, it's the thing that if I didn't want to stand and didn't want to sing, I'd make my life a lot more enjoyable and go and sit somewhere else. Yeah, yeah exactly. That. And, I don't, and that's not me being aggressive or saying you're not a fan. Just make your life more enjoyable. And and it, also, it, it also helps the club because it makes the atmosphere, it will make the atmosphere mm. better um, which then solves solve the problem for the club in getting players in and also we might win a few more games if we are more of an intimidating place to go. Mm. Um, so you touched on um, Chelsea uh, coming along in a few days. Uh, how confident is everyone on, on that? We're going to do nothing. Although it kind of reminds me, and Jack, you'd probably be a bit too young for this, but um, 2002, was it 2002? Yeah, I think he was born in 2002. Nel, Nel, Carlo Cudicini, world-class performance. In he, he was ridiculously <laughs> yeah. good, and Mark Rivers should have scored like two or three that game. And you know they held us, they held us to a nil-nil at Carrow Road, and we were an average Championship team, and they were punching at the top of the Premier League. Shades of that. I mean, whether we've got a performance like that in us again. Who do you think he'll play? I think he'll think go full strength. full strength. And I think, because Chelsea play Arsenal tonight, don't they? so we're recording this Wednesday evening, which will benefit us. You'd think Conte won't go Can full that go strength. to extra time and penalties? That's it. <laughs> I know it's a league game. Obviously, Conte's Chelsea squad with 115 people on loan and he's moaning about squad depth and stuff like that. They could play anyone and they're probably going to be better than what we've got. Yeah. But there's a chance. Okay. Um, <clears throat> because it's so much luck and nonsense involved in, in cup ties and you, you really can't predict it I think we'll move straight on um, so <laughs> we haven't heard Jack's point of view Jack oh, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm struggling to get too up for it I just see it as a distraction from the league I think to the point where we've actually put a, not a decent run of form together but we've steadied the ship a little bit the likelihood is now we're going to go up against a very good Chelsea mm. team get tonked and then we're not back to square one but it, you kind of then forget about the decent ish run of form before that in the league so I'm struggling to get up for it it can work the other way though like it can it can a draw yeah. or a win oh, uh, as unlikely as they may be they increase the mood but you kind of you, you look back to the Arsenal game which we so nearly won and then you see the run after that mm. I know yeah, it's, I know it's, it's not cause the same, effect. but the, the, the mood was very high after Arsenal yeah. and then we didn't win in however many games and I think we had that congestion of games didn't we just we after did. Arsenal yeah. around Arsenal but the nice thing for me is as fans, no one's going into this with any expectancy. Mm. If we got done two or three nil, everyone would go fair game and off to the pub. And mm. so, you know, we are going to a game at Carrow Road for the first time this season, thinking probably going to lose. I'm Actually, we can just enjoy yeah. it. I'm looking forward to it for that fact. People will go there wanting to enjoy it. I think the fact that it's a distraction from the lead is a good thing, given that we're mid table in the league. How many not, tickets do you think they're going to sell come Saturday three? It's interesting they haven't put them on general sale at all. Have they not? No. Is it about half past five? A big part. Yeah. I don't know. Twenty thousand. I don't think. I don't think they'll go over twenty thousand. It's only fifteen quid, isn't it? Mm. And Chelsea have brought what four thousand? Or will we bring? Yeah, 4, I think that's the big thing. Chelsea yeah, we've got sell shifted, their allocation. Yeah. We've got shifted. Um, okay, so it is January, which is why we're in the third round of the FA Cup, which means transfer window. So we're going to go around the table, uh, and each of us are going to give the area we think we really need to strengthen most. 
Um, and really the key business that we really want to see done by the time, well, in a couple of pods time, the the window will have slammed shut. So thanks, Jim. Um, thanks for putting on your yellow tie for the, <laughs> for the occasion. John, take us through our transfer dealings. So hang on, what was the question? Where we really need to strengthen? Where do we really need to strengthen? The one piece of business just really needs to get done. I think people probably know I'm not the biggest fan of Evo Pinto and I'm probably sat opposite the biggest fan of Evo Pinto in... I don't know. But you love him, right? I do love him. (laughs) He's great on social media. Um, However, I think... Hashtag pitch for your Well, this is the thing. But... um, yeah, he's really good at Photoshop. He's really good at his social media campaign. His team, yeah, his team, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but he's not a great defender, um, and he's not great at crossing, and he tries really hard, and that's really nice. And I'd probably still have him as first choice right back. But if he goes and does his hammy, which it has been close to going this season, we're playing Russ at right back. Are you telling me now that Farker's going to bring Russ back into the fold? I very much doubt it. So who are we playing? Harrison Reid at right back? Stick Steepman there. Yeah, anywhere, can't he? Steepo. Although he was born to score goals. so yeah, Apparently Harrison Reid very nearly was right back. Um, Is that a thing? Yeah, not, really? not, not that long ago. Yeah, and I can see it because actually he looks like he's got the attributes of a right back and I reckon he might be an okay right back but less sign a right back. Mm. Less sign a defensive midfielder than put Reed Yeah, right he's back. number two. Defensive midfield for me is the key one. I think the impact that having Teti and Tribal back there has had, it, it was our good run with those two. It's been our good run again with those two. If uh, Teti's comments to our friend Michael Bailey this week about it being his last season here were to be believed, then defensive midfield, I think, is absolutely key. Don't think there's any chance of Teti going in this window? No, I don't think there's any chance of him going in this window. Um, but I would like to see us replace him with uh, a like-for-like Type player. I'm not but younger and with a knee that works. So the thing That's for me is point though. So just ha- to go on. Will he go this window? Is if someone came in with a cheeky bid for him, given that he's out of contract this summer. That's why. That's why I do. asked the question. But I don't think you'd get any more than two fifty for him. And so therefore, is it even worth moving him on? I don't know. For, the, for, for for the sake of I suppose how would then cut he is. He's probably quite high wages for mm. what six months, and maybe brick they bring in a Premier League loan signing or something yeah. like that. I'm not sure. Which, which traditionally we have we've had a great history of really decent fullbacks on loan, like your Kyle Nortons mm, and your yeah. Bertrands, you know, so um I wouldn't mind either of those now. Andre really. Wisdom. <laughs> yeah, so it's not it's not an unblemished record. Um, but yeah. So uh, what about you, Jack? Well before this I was gonna I was gonna say I don't think we really need anyone, but now I think we probably need a right back. I was going to say I think we need a striker, but I also think we need to sell either Nelson or Cameron because I I wasn't quite buying into the whole we desperately need a striker in the summer. I think we were I think we were fine with Nelson and Jerome. I think that's a pretty decent championship pairing. And I think you made the point earlier about Marley Watkins is better through the middle. So he's I would say he's the third. And I think Yannick could probably do that as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't think after watching us for half a season, I think Jerome's lost his only asset that he had which was pace. And I don't think Nelson's probably as good as we all thought he was. So on that point, I think uh, I would put all my eggs in selling Nelson mm. basket mm. because I don't think you'll get enough for Cam to make it worth selling him. Similar to the Teddy point of view, um, I think that when Cameron and has had the opportunity to play larger parts in games, in terms of runs and in terms of the space and, and the intel- football intelligence that he has, I think he complements what's around him Maybe he doesn't have the same um, ceiling of, of um, goal scoring and ability to, to finish um, as Nelson can on a good day. The point is a Cameron Jerome mediocre day is a lot better than a Nelson mediocre I day in terms of contribution. And, and including things like heading from corners, def- yeah. defending yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. is He is, I think... A far more useful squad player to have than, than Nelson, and I think you get more for Nelson. Um, and I, I've, you know, I've said on, on several pods and writing on Long Time Norwich that I still, I think we are two forward players short of what we should have in in that room. I, I couldn't believe we were going with with such a, a low number. And when you compare it to all the other squads in the league, as I know, I keep saying. Um, they all have four or five, and and we think we can do with two and sort of three if you include Marley Watkins. My, my only argument for that would be is if you've got four strikers, let's say, mm-hmm. you don't want a sort of a Kyle Lafferty in there who you know if he comes on he's not really going to do much. You're going to have four players who you think are first team players, like we had with 
Hooper, Graben, um, Jerome and, and whoever else that season, which then makes it very tough in terms of man management. And I think Farker's probably not keen on that. I don't think he's good enough as a man manager to do that. No, and that's but, the but, point. Yeah, and, but, but that, that's not my problem. Because I mean, like, the point is, you, you say the same thing, well, how do Wolves do it? How does Sheffield, with Sheffield Wednesday, they've got 407 strikers. But they play two up front consistently. But Sheffield Wednesday, again, not my, not my fault that Farker's not capable of, and of, Sheff- of going no, with a different formation Wednesday, If you go with that, well, I don't think we should really... We're never going to play two up front unless it's right at the I end. I don't think it works. Camden, Nelson, I don't think it does work in this league. But actually, I think, and we've talked about this endlessly on podcasts before, but I think it isn't the issue in terms of the striking department because we're always going to have a Nelson, we're always going to have a Jerome, and they're both reasonable championship strikers. I think we can all agree on that. The issue for me, and actually, if we look at last season, we pretty much went in with those two plus Kyle Lafferty. So let's just push him to the side because he was an absolute irrelevance last season and got nowhere near it. And we were still second top scorers in the league. Mm with those two as strikers the issue is the midfielders chipping in with goals and actually that three behind and the fact we probably don't have a Johnny House and you know actually hitting the box late and able to score long distance goals so I, you know I disagree on the striker um, but I wouldn't be adverse to shifting Cam and perhaps getting someone else in I agree with most of what Tom said until he went on his rant about not being able to man manage properly but I do think that if we're going to sell someone, I would sell Oliveira and I would replace him with uh, a sort of nippy, I don't want to say Joe Garner, but a nippy sort of hard-working Joe Garner's nippy? Well, that sort of, you know, that sort of nuisance, sort of waspy yeah. sort of striker. I'd rather have a, I'd rather set cash in on Oliveira and get someone new who is a bit like you know just a finisher like a bit of a Robbie Fowler fox in the box kind of player rather than an Oliveira like a Shane, like a Shane Long I, I'd love Shane Long like, I'd love Shane Long Shane Long can't afford him but that kind of but and there are those players in the championship knocking about who are kind of buzzy um, busybodies yeah, so, exactly if we, that. so if we ditch Nelson I guess and this is the issue for me but the expectation is going to be what we'll get 8-9 million for him probably now given that it was 10-12 to 12 in the summer I'd he, take 6 you know that'd be a bit low for me but anyway, say we get six. The expectation is that is fully reinvested back into a another striker. Mm, which would be. Which it wouldn't be, for one. But even if we're spending three or four million pounds on a striker, actually the expectation is we're going to have to pay them decent wages because of that. Because Nelson will be on a decent whack and Jerome will be on a decent whack. Whereas I think if we shifted Jerome, probably get, what, a mil, mil and a half, something like that. I don't think we'll get that much. Well, not, 18 months left on his deal. I think Birmingham think we're talking about that kind of money that I saw. But regardless, you're shifting... 25k a week in terms of wages probably that Jerome's on um, and I think you could probably bring in someone half decent for that um, or you know someone from the German 4th division because people would love that <laughs> yeah have you seen how many goals Wolfswinkle's banging in by the way so 7 in 10 I actually think Wolfswinkle would do really well <laughs> in this team like the, back. the runs that he made were exactly the runs that we need at the moment because he made a lot of clever runs that were never found and not enough people have played kind of dummy clever reverse passes to nobody in the box like not enough not, that hasn't happened enough um, the weird thing was Wolfswinkle he was so bad at the time and I don't think he's a bad player but it was just the system didn't suit him but he's not actually that hated as a Norwich City player, I don't think. No, I, I, I think he's I, held in quite high regard. Because oh, he's such a nice bloke. Yeah, no, like, and he was him. someone who was better than the system. He was bonkers as well. Made him. Okay, so we've kind of touched on the fact that there are a few clubs around the Championship who we think have got better striker departments than us. Um, is there anyone we, we were thinking, you know, we're a bit frustrated as fans, um, we're a bit frustrated that we're a middling club up and down, we don't seem to be able, other than, you know... John and, and Andy, who are really, really virtuous and patient, and they, they can they can be not too high and not too low. A lot of us simple folk like me go up and down too much. So if we're frustrated with it, is there a club in the championship that actually we're a bit envious of, and we think, do you know what? I really like the way they do X, Y, and Z. Am I starting? You starting? I would probably go. I've thought about it, and I think either Brentford or Fulham. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. But the biggest thing for me is that they're actually probably a little way further down in terms of their development arcs and their projects, if you like, because we're embarking upon a project. So you've got Brentford with the whole Moneyball thing. You've got Fulham who are potentially looking to build a philosophy and they're doing it pretty well. And they both play expansive football. They're both really well drilled. They're both organised and they both score goals. So I think probably those two. And also with Fulham, you, you might become friends with Richard Osman. 
That'd be nice. Yeah. I like him. I've met him, and when I shook his hand, I was on a game show that he hosted, and I shook his hand, and those of you who know me, I'm not the tallest, and he is the tallest, and shaking his hand was like, you know you see those photos of like a baby meeting its dad for the first time, and they hold his finger. <laughs> that was me shaking Richard Osmond's hand. It was awful. But what I'd say, I'd pick up at a point John made, and I, I'm not really envious of anyone else, and the reason for that is the sort of project and the philosophy if you like I like the fact that we're doing something different there is an interesting piece in uh, the Times recently written by a guy uh, called Rory Smith who I really like and he said that he felt that this this move to clubs having a philosophy that fans are really picking up on and trying to buy into is because clubs are becoming much more sort of non-entities they're all the same you can <coughs> transport a Chelsea a Man United a Man City they're all essentially corporate shells with different colours. Mm. And it's the philosophy now that is becoming the identity of a club rather than the area that it's from. And I completely agree with that. And I like the fact that we're doing something different. I like the fact that we're doing something continental. I like the fact we're doing something German. I think I agree with Andy. And I, I think to add to that point, I don't want to be any other club because I do genuinely believe that this league is shit. Like I, Even Wolves... I wasn't overly impressed with. I think the standard in this league is very poor and I think that's been the reason why I've been even more frustrated this season because there's been so many bang average teams who've not only lost against or lost against and drawn against that we should be beating. And that's not me being self-entitled. That's just me being we should be what's in front of us. Because you haven't adjusted your... Uh, your, or rather, your, you've made a conscious decision not to adjust your expectations downwards based on the squad that we have. I just I think I think even with the current I think I'm I think I'm aware with the squad we've got isn't the best we've had. I think there's a lot of quality in our squad, but I do genuinely believe that there's a lot of very average teams in this league. And the championship's always kind of said it's always the best league in the world. And I think it is in terms of competitiveness, but it's because everyone's just very average. Okay. Yeah, and I'd agree with that. <clears throat> yeah. Even right. even Wolves, we weren't played off the park. We should have gone one the Oh, I don't know. I, I thought that was the most one-sided game I've seen at Carrow Road for a while. Or well, Huddersfield at home the year before was the most one-sided yeah, game. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah, okay. But even, even but I, th- I think it was similar. I, I, I think it was similar to how much better than us Wolves were. I don't think. I think every time they wanted to try, they just went forward and got a chance on goal. But for up. the amount of money they've spent, I were they yeah. much better than us than they should have been? If that kind of makes sense. But I like I like the fact that anyone could be anyone. I think you're right. It's no, the most competitive well. league and. Sometimes the football is shit. I don't. I'd rather walk it. <laughs> I'd rather oh, yeah, get that, that with points. See, now, I, I wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> I just, because football wouldn't be fun. I think it would. Just for one season. <laughs> yeah, just just like, like that Reading season where they went up with Brian McDonald, where they set the record, was it like 100 odd points yeah. or whatever? And uh, they, they just absolutely spanked everyone. That must have been pretty would fun. You, but would you enjoy supporting Man City this season? No, just turn that, that's we're different. Gonna win, we're, gonna we're, talking about sec- we're talking about second flight. But did you enjoy 0304? Yeah. We absolutely yeah. waltzed. I did enjoy it, but it was awesome. I'm, I've enjoyed all the seasons. I keep going back. Which brings us nicely on the Twitter question. It does. So thank you ever so much for everyone who's got in touch with us via uh, the medias of social. Um, We're going to start off with a a question that came through from Adam Harvey on Facebook. What needs to happen to ensure you renew your season ticket, Jack? Nothing. I'm renewing. I I, I hope they don't put the prices up, which I don't think they would, because I think they... They'd be brave. They're not stupid enough to do that, I hope. Um, I understand the finances aren't in the best position, but putting season tickets up by even like 20 quid a season isn't even going to touch the surface with that. So that's, I don't think they'll do that. I'm renewing. I always will. Simple as that. Okay, so so to slightly amend Adam Harvey's question to you, Lorne. Well, I wouldn't renew, necessarily. What? You're not, you're considering not renewing? I can, I've considered not renewing for the, the last three seasons, probably. And every season there's been something that gets me to come back and this season it is the philosophy the philosophy that I talked about earlier so if they sacked Farker and Weber and appointed Tony Pullis say I wouldn't renew and I wouldn't renew because it's just this, another face on the managerial merry-go-round that just goes round and round and round and, and not even a nice face not even a nice face um, and the other thing is atmosphere so I was on the verge of not renewing last season before we got in Farker and before the club started to make really positive noises about wanting to improve the atmosphere. Okay. Now, 
I'm at the point where I think not enough has been done to necessarily... Like, if I'd have known how much progress would have made at this time last year, I possibly wouldn't have renewed. I think, but I I think still we're think... amazed how pathetic that has been. Like they, they, they made such a big deal. I know they have had personnel moves within the club... Um, you know Ed, who was there and marketing, is, is, was was not. I don't know if he even saw this first game. Did he? he went so early on in the season. And there are limitations that we've touched on earlier about you know season ticket holders not wanting to move and people not but being. To make that much of a big deal about wanting to buy into it with Tom Smith involved, etc. And then for so far, there be a few flags and but then even they have been really you know difficult as we touched on previous yeah, pods yeah, yeah. to get into the ground. So the two things for me that would stop me renewing is no more progress on atmosphere and ditching trying to do something different Johnny boy never call me Johnny <laughs> however that's, no. what, that's what would stop you <laughs> 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 they, they, they sent you a season ticket yeah, 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 yeah. immediately he's become Johnny yeah. Yeah. exactly yeah. what a silly thing to tell <laughs> people who <laughs> like to tease you however um, it's not a choice for me I guess I've had a season ticket since 92-93 first season of the Premier League we were awesome I mean we're not so awesome anymore but it's you just go. I don't know. I, it doesn't even enter my head to not renew. I just go to the football. And I think it's that routine, isn't it? And just seeing the same faces and feeling a part of something. Yeah. And, I, and I always think, it, what would I do on a Saturday afternoon if I didn't renew? I'm sure I'd do something, but it's still, it would always be in the back of my head. And I think yeah. it is that sense of community that maybe hasn't felt the same this season, but it's that feeling a part of something I think- on a Saturday that is priceless yeah I'm the same and going back linking it to the atmosphere thing <clears throat> when we were at that atmosphere that first atmosphere focus group where they said you know when do you first get in the ground um, and my answer was well 15 seconds before kickoff, if possible as, the, as the, mm, the, yeah. the boot touches the ball for the first time because actually a huge part of going to the football is being with my friends reading out the team news at 2 o'clock um, and that that's I would miss that every much as much as I would miss watching us Play side to side, and I think that would be a really easy thing. It was brought up in that first atmosphere meeting all the way back in June that the club could do more about is make the actual pre-game sort of fan scene a little better. Mm. They've got all that space for that car park. They sort of tried it a little bit with that bottle bar type thing, but you could make that the execution was you could make that so much better yeah. than it is, and it would encourage people to come down, put a big screen up, put whatever early game is on the TV, sell some beer, sell some food, decent food. And just, just make it a place where people want to be. It's interesting that, and I'm not disagreeing with that, but I was reading a, a really interesting article today about the current kind of affairs at Sunderland, and they built a fan zone with that intention in mind, fans turning up earlier, being at the ground, socialising, and no one turned up. They just done what they always done, went to the pubs, and they've stopped it, and it's just kind of there as an empty shell now. So I'm not saying it wouldn't work at Norwich, but it's probably in the back of their mind. Well, will people actually change their match? Their and that routines? is a gamble. I mean, I, I went to the... I, it was the Merseyside derby, so it's probably very, very different. But I attended the Merseyside derby last season at Goodison Park, and they had one of these massive fan zones, and it was live music and proper beer and, you know, kind of loads of people getting involved. And it was absolutely buzzing. And actually, that atmosphere kind of took itself into the ground. Not that you needed it for Liverpool versus Everton, but... Apparently, speaking to the Evertonians, it's like that pretty much every week. So I think it's about how you execute yeah. it. And Sunderland have been pretty shoddy at pretty much everything for a while. Yeah. So and you can't true. tell me there aren't enough like bands around Norwich that would be willing to play a Saturday afternoon, just a couple of hours yeah, that pre-game. Kind of like. Brilliant. I do still wonder though if that was the case and it was still buzzing before the match. If and I know you guys don't agree with this, and I think. I'm not sure if I do either, but I do still think the standard of the football on the pitch does affect the outcome. So if it was too good, like from half two until three, people might not bother going into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> they've already sold their ticket. As long as you have to actually buy a ticket in order to get into the fan zone. Okay, right, we're going to uh, answer Matt Barton on Twitter uh, with a one, one word, one phrase answer from each of you, please. No waffle. We'll start with you, Johnny. What is the minimum we should look for if selling Madison? 17.25 million. 20 million. 22 in today's market yeah that's the thing isn't it 17 with England under 21 England full and goal and assist add-ons yeah and I think that's the add-ons <laughs> all of the add-ons and a 20% <laughs> sell-on fee plus a cut of any future hair commercials because if he does ever make it in the Prem I can see him doing like a at some kind of like, near he has like, got like, those super he's a handsome boy isn't he like, but I reckon he'll fair. go bald quite early because he's just using so much product Okay. I didn't use any product. 
Andy, for the record, is is bored. That's why he's that's that's why he's able to to comment. Um, so finally, in the question section, we've got Darren Belcher uh, from Facebook, who has said, "Who has been your surprise player of this season so far?" Jack, Angus Gunn, and I say that because I know he was highly rated, but there was still, even when we signed him, there's still a lot of people saying, "Well, he hasn't played a single game of professional football." From pundits, from fans, from from everyone, and I think. That man this season has not only stepped up to the plate in terms of on the pitch, but off the pitch, I think he's an absolute role model. And I think he's handled the pressure superbly. And I didn't think he'd do that as well as he has done. Excellent answer, Andrew. I think that's a very good point, actually. I think it's easy to forget that Angus Gunn hasn't played any professional football up until this season. And I think Jack's right, he's taken to it like a duck to water. Mine would be... Very tall duck. Yeah. Mine would be uh, Christoph Zimmerman. And I appreciate he's not playing at the moment. But that's based on the fact that if you look at the fact that he came from the German fourth division and he came in probably in uh, everyone in a club's mind below Marcel Franke, like the difference between expected performance level and actual performance level, for me, uh, I think Zimmerman is player of the season. Johnny. Cheers, Tommy. Um, I'd have had Zimmerman as well. Like Andy, but I think you could probably flip it on its head. And if I said Mario Brancic, and I know we have the Brancic debate every week, but actually it was probably the biggest surprise is that if you ask anyone, still playing. well, if you <laughs> ask anyone at the start of the season who are you most looking forward to seeing, it would have been Mario Brancic. So it's probably the biggest surprise that he hasn't really lived up to expectations. But his hair has gone above and beyond. I would, yeah, I, 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 I would prefer the blonde look. Oh, hundred percent blonde look. Yeah, <laughs> I would give the same. Uh, I would give the same answer or the same rationale for Madison in that again yep, yes he's no, played competitive football yeah. but he hasn't looked like this is the first time he's played at this level um, he hasn't been inconsistent he hasn't gone out of games he hasn't lost confidence at any point when a couple of his free kicks haven't gone you know on target yeah. um, he hasn't let the, the cat calls get to him in the same way that Murph does mm. Um, so I think that the fact that he is currently walking to player of the season doesn't actually seem to be affecting the way he plays it's yeah. not making him more greedy something we touched on with Nels he's still looking to lay the ball off especially if Pritch is available you can tell the two them love playing together yeah. Um, so yeah for me um, Darren my surprise is just how good Madison has been I, th- I think to add on that as well I saw a stat today and it didn't surprise me at all that Madison's the most fouled player in this division mm. And if, if you notice, he never, ever reacts to any fouls. He goes down, he gets up. But I think, I know it's a completely different thing, but it was the same with Messi in his early days. He was fouled all of the while and he never reacted. He just got on with it. And I think there's, there's, a, there's a very nice balance between kind of cockiness and complete assur- kind of being so assured with his own ability with Madison. And confidently he'll get the, the free kick. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And um, I think as well as that, he's 20 years old. If I was doing what he's doing my age I would be going absolutely nuts and uh, well I would ju- if, you, if you were someone who wanted to wind you up Tom you could say that's a very good piece of man management and coaching if you wanted to wind that up Zimmerman <laughs> that Zimmerman and Gunn and Madison and Tribal who didn't get a mention there yeah. have all performed well above expectation you could definitely say that's some good coaching and yeah, I think to go back to Madison I'd like to see a bit more of the arrogant streak with Madison because there was a moment on Monday Millwall game anyway um where Nelson took a free kick off him mm. and actually that had Madison's name written all yeah. over it yeah. and I'd have liked seeing Madison just go over well. and just say get away from that ball yeah. this is mine yeah. so I'd say yeah crack on lad I, yeah I think it's worth saying if you wanted to counter the wind up that to, to, it's even more impressive that they've done it with such poor man management right so we now it move... is interesting though just <laughs> so quickly it is interesting that last season you could you could have named the top three player of the season, bang bang bang. You knew who it was going to be, and it was a you could say it was a slightly more successful season in terms of we were sort of in the playoff hunt for a while. Mm-hmm. This has been a less successful season, and yet each of those players, the performances they've put in last season, would have put them in the discussion. Same as if put. Do them you think in that's because we're going kind of more down a, a continental route in terms of not? constructing a team around players but trying to fit them players into a system yeah. I felt very much under Alex Neil it was we rely on this player this player rather than actual system I think you're exactly right and I think that's why I'm enjoying it and why I'm quite happy it's the way of doing it well, it's the right way to do it <laughs> and I'm quite happy to wind top up with it 
yeah, conscious that the right way is what Andy and John believe, <laughs> uh, the wrong way is anything I think. Um, okay, so that's been a lovely ramble. We now move on to the real reason you've come, Jack, which is the Long Come Norwich quiz. I'm actually quite nervous about this. You should be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so bear in mind, I think our last guest was, was Mr. Christopher Gorham. Um, oh, he done really Chris well, was didn't it, he? Tom? Barclay and I can't remember which way around they were. I thought it was Chris Bailey, did really was our last well. one. No, he didn't, we didn't do that one, did we? Yeah, but Chris, that is his job. Oh, Chris was awesome. <laughs> yeah. We won't be cutting the fact that the Michael Bailey podcast <laughs> hasn't happened yet. Michael hopes to be with us soon. It was, it was my, my silly wife getting hospitalised ruined that one. Right, okay, so, the Long Come Knowledge quiz. The format is very simple. I will ask you... Impossible questions. Six very, very manageable questions. <laughs> um, you will have a minute. If you give a wrong answer, I'll move on to the next question. So don't give multiple wrong answers. You can pass to save time, because uh, sometimes one correct answer will win you the quiz. Uh, and then once we've got to the end of the six, I will then keep looping round until my beautiful assistant, my follically challenged but beautiful assistant, Andy, says time. So uh, if you're ready, Jack, your time starts now. Name the ex-Norwich player to score a Premier League goal for Swansea this season. Leroy Fair. Correct. Which Englishman, after Harry Kane, has scored the highest number of Premier League goals this season? Raheem Sterling. Correct. Who scored the only penalty they took for Norwich in the 2013-14 season? Pass. Who was the last South American manager to win the World Cup? Pass. <laughs> Who won the league... In Norwich's first ever top flight season. Man United. Incorrect. Who did Youssef Malumbu sign for after leaving Norwich? Kilmarnock. Correct. Uh, which brings us back to who scored the only penalty they took for Norwich in the 2013-14 season? Johan Almanda. Incorrect. Good guess though. Who is the last South American manager to win the World Cup? Pass. Who won the league in Norwich's first ever top flight season? Time. You've done three. That penalty, yeah. well, I'm interested on that. Yeah. Three's a winner, I reckon. Three, three's decent. So as, as always, the format's the same for, for all three participants. So very good on, on getting Raheem Sterling straight away. I thought that might be that might bamboozle you. Um, so who scored the only penalty they took for Norwich in the 2013-14 season? Johnny or Andy? Wes? No. Snoddy? Wes took plenty of penalties for us. Gary Hooper. Mm. Uh, the last South American manager to win the World Cup was... Big Phil. It was Philippe Scalari. Uh, uh, and Liverpool were on the telly again and winning 1972-73 season. Um, but top work on Malumbu for Kilmarnock as well. I well, it was that. only because for like there was a running joke we had. We Nobody knew what happened to Malumbu. <laughs> and it was like, oh, he's, he is alive. That's good. It's the same with Bassam at the moment. I no think appearance he's just like... Has he not even appeared? He didn't appear. Well, according to Wikipedia, what, what does that know? So, Andy, as always, you go next. You've got three to beat, um, or three to make it go to a tiebreaker. And your time starts now. Name the ex-Norwich player to score a Premier League goal for Stoke this season. Peter Crouch. Correct. Which South American, after Sergio Aguero, has the most Premier League goals this season? Pass. Who scored one and missed one penalty for Norwich City in the 2012-13 season? Wes. Incorrect. Who is the only Spanish manager to have won the World Cup? Uh, pass. Who won the league the first time Norwich were relegated from the Premier League? Man United. Incorrect. Who did Van Wolfswinkel sign for after leaving Norwich? Vitesse Arnhem. Correct. Which South American, after Sergio Aguero, has the most Premier League goals this season? Pass. Who scored one and missed one penalty for Norwich City in the 2012-13 season? Snodgrass. Incorrect. Who is the only Spanish manager to have won the World Cup? Oh, I can see his face. Mm. Uh, Jose Luis Arif... The, the, the guy who got racist. <laughs> the guy who got racist. It's not that. what's on the card. <laughs> it's then um, because of A, so, AR. T- no, it doesn't. You've got two... Um, which is not bad, but puts you in second place. Um, South American after Sergio Aguero with the most Premier League goals, boys. Plays for Liverpool, incredible teeth. Oh, for oh, me. Correct. It's only the teeth bit that done it. Right? <laughs> and that I should have just who's, who's got mental metal tie and teeth? Um, Grant Holt scored one and missed one in the 2012-13 oh, yes, season. I wouldn't have got that. Uh, Vincent Del Bosque was the Spanish yeah. manager you when he won the World Cup. for saying the racist guy. 
Two and a half points then it is. <laughs> uh, and who won the league in 94 95? Well, if it wasn't Man United, it must have been Arsenal. Blackburn. Oh, of course. Oh, of course they did. Yes. Blackburn. Yeah. So, uh, in two and a half you're in back. second place. So, Dude, John. These are really hard this week. I'm sorry, mate. Well, these sorry. are traditionally hard this so, week. So, harder. Your traditionally hard questions. I'm going to get none. Start. Cool. Now, you'll get, you'll get at least one. <laughs> Pressure <laughs> it now. Now. Name the ex-Norwich player to score a Premier League goal for Bournemouth this season. Sermon. Correct. See? Which Spaniard currently has the highest number of goals in the Premier League this season? Spaniard. Pass. Who missed the only penalty they took for Norwich in the 2013-14 Premier League season? Snodgrass. Correct. Who managed Germany to their 1990 World Cup win? 1990. Oh, no, Beckenbauer. Correct. Um, who won the league when Norwich were relegated from the Premier League under Nigel Worthington? Manchester United. Incorrect. Who did Conor McGrandles sign for after leaving Norwich? Falker. Incorrect. Um, which Spaniard currently has the highest number of goals Pass. in the Premier League? Who uh, got that one? Who got that one? Who won the league when Norwich were relegated from the Premier League under Nigel Worthington? Chelsea. Correct. Who did Conor McGrandles sign after leaving Norwich? I said Falker, didn't I? He did, yeah. He went on loan there, but he didn't sign there. No idea, pass. Which Spaniard currently Stop. has... Okay, so you've won it with four. Do I get four? You got four. Fuck about. Now, who okay. knows the Spaniard at the top of the goal chart? Morata. Correct. Is Morata? Yeah. Morata. Or Alvaro Morata. Um, you've got Snodgrass, you've got Beckenbauer, you've got Chelsea, uh, Conor McGrandles, Jack, I know you know this. Lots of roundabouts. Um, you got Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes. Did he really? Has he played? Seven times, I think. I think that's what Wiki said. Um, that was a, that was a that was a strange one with Grandles, wasn't it? Because he was he came as such a highly rated player. Mm. He came as like a dainty winger and then became like a unit he tank so defensive midfielder, didn't he? Every, in every way, wasn't he? So uh, in every well, way. Wait, to come up with some kind of inside scoop. He never names <laughs> he never names his sources. Um, thank you ever so much for listening. So from all of us at Long Come Knowledge Podcast, it's goodbye from Jack. Goodbye. Goodbye from Lorne. Goodbye. Goodbye from John. Bye. Goodbye from me. Bye bye.